0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Season 5 of the Hashtag MomLife Podcast. I'm Cynthia Blaze, and I'm excited to bring new stories of faith and share parenting wisdom from some incredible Christ-centered women this season. Today, we begin with my conversation with Mandy Pinto. Ladies, what do we do when the path forward suddenly seems really scary or really hard? Sometimes we blame Christ, saying, why did you do this to me, or how could you let this happen?" In Mandy's story, I want to consider what does it look like to walk forward in faith, trusting Jesus for the outcome, no matter what. Let's dive into that conversation. Today, I have with me a new friend of mine, Mandy Pinto who is a worship leader and mom to two beautiful girls. I have gotten to meet Mandy at family camp at Forest Home Christian Conference Center as she has led worship for at least two of the years during the weeks our church has been there. Mandy walks around with this cloud of peace around her. It's tangible, you notice it, and it is beautiful. Mandy has learned this peace by learning faith, and she has had to learn faith through some really challenging circumstances today mandy is going to share with us her story of it having her faith grow through her daughter being diagnosed with a brain tumor when her daughter was eight ladies mandy is a woman who has learned wisdom through hard circumstances and i am so excited to share her story with all of you today so hi mandy hi everyone I'm so thrilled to have you share your story today. I am so impressed with the way you have walked through this season with wisdom and grace. And I am ready for some major Holy Spirit mic drops through you today. But before we dive into your story of walking through uh, your daughter Bridget's cancer, I would love to just get to know your backstory a little bit. So I believe we learn greater faith through smaller steps of faith and I can see the Lord Fully prepared you to handle Bridget's cancer with faith, so I want to learn a little bit about how you learned faith before then. So tell us about yourself. Where are you from? Where did you grow up?
1: Well, currently, I live in Santa Clarita, California. I grew up in the San Fernando Valley, and um, uh, Christian background, however, my parents were not saved, um, I, they put me in Christian schooling because they were afraid of me taking the bus. And so I learned about Jesus. I was three years old, and I asked him into my heart. And I felt like ever since then, the Lord has had his hand on me. And uh, later in life, my parents um, accepted Christ. Um, they are Christ followers. Um, but I learned about the Lord through my school And later on in church and growing in my faith, and I was called into music ministry by the Lord when I was 14 years old and have been serving him ever since. That's so cool. Now,
0: were there any instances or experiences that caused you to grow significantly in your faith, like after um, becoming a Christ follower?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, There was a certain time in my life, um, my family walked through a very difficult time, and it was a time where none of us had control over anything. And I believe that was the moment that my faith was strengthened, where I learned that I served a God who truly could be trusted. And he walked with me the entire journey and beyond. And I learned so much about this loving father that we have, that he never abandons us in the middle of turmoil or challenges. And so I believe that God builds upon those moments so that when we have greater strife or difficulties in the future, we can look back and remember his faithful hand. And so even though that moment was very difficult in my family's life, it allowed me that when other trials came, I could see and recognize that God still was in the midst of this very hard time and that I could believe him, not just believe in him, but believe him when he says that he will never leave me or forsake me.
0: Amen. You did tell me that there was one really hard circumstance you walked through with a friend prior to Bridget's cancer that really set you up to trust the Lord when you receive the cancer diagnosis. Now we want to be respectful and obviously not share anything that would be harmful to anyone else, but could you share a little bit about that situation and how you learned faith through it, how it set you up?
1: Yes. And, um, I just, I'll, I just want to say that, um, so much good has come from that circumstance and, you know, we learn a lot through pain and we know that, um, different trials produce character and character, hope and perseverance and all that. So um, I'm very thankful um, for the ways that the Lord was near to me and my family during that time. Um, I also saw him work in incredible ways, only ways that God could work um, in terms of allowing different situations to turn for the good and for the better. Um, I think sometimes when we are in very um, difficult and painful situations. We tend to take control and we want to control everything around us. But the truth is, is that we just have to leave it in his hands. And it's easier said than done most times. Um, but it was such a, an interesting time. It was a time of betrayal and of um, forgiveness. Uh, you know, it's it's such a beautiful, forgiveness is such a beautiful thing and it's such a hard thing for us. Um, but Jesus certainly models forgiveness for us. And that is the role model that we have with one another. So I'm happy to say that through that challenging time of, um, betrayal, um, that the, the relationship is fully restored. And I believe truly that, um, I, I love the word reconciliation. And so I'm always seeking reconciliation wherever I am in whatever situation I am in. So, um, in that specific situation, I learned that God is a provider and that he also allows healing to come. It comes in his time. We can't rush it. We can't fake it. We have to allow um, his hand to to rest upon us in a way that we we are receiving it in good time. And, and I know when pain in relationships come, it... Um, it can be uh, a challenging thing in which where we we just don't want to, um, we want to, it's just so hard to move past it. But at the same time, I think I learned to surrender, Cynthia. I think Mm -hmm. I learned that surrendering to God, like this person, this situation allowed me to forgive and then gave me the strength to move forward in taking the next steps in the healing in that relationship.
0: Hmm. That's really only something the Lord can do, isn't it? Yes. True reconciliation, I feel like, does not happen in the world. It's only what Christ regenerates in us. Okay, so let's talk about your sweet Bridget. So, it began in 2017 when Bridget was eight and in third grade. Tell me um, what happened. How you began to realize that something was wrong, and what happened with like the initial doctors that you saw.
1: Yes, well, Bridget had struggled with um, just some issues with her, you know, uh, going to the restroom in the middle of the night. Of course, many children, heck, sometimes many adults struggle <laughs> with uh, bedwetting and that, you know, we never ever would really associate with a brain tumor. Maybe doctors would, but a normal person would not experience something like that. Um, and the doctor said, you know, it's it's a phase, children go through it. So we really didn't think anything of it. Um, too seriously other than she would grow out of it at some point. We also noticed that she was having some vision issues. Um, one summer, she was trying to read the computer screen and very close. And I thought, oh, she's like her mom. <laughs> she's going to be blind as a bat like me. And thought, I'm going to take her to the optometrist and get a checkup. And so we took her to the optometrist. And unfortunately, in that visit, the optometrist just didn't really believe there was something wrong. She thought perhaps maybe... Bridget was um, I don't I don't want to be unkind to this woman, um, but but that she was possibly faking it and trying to just get cute glasses like other girls in her class. But that really wasn't the case. And I knew my daughter's character. It wasn't in her character to be dishonest. Um, if she can't see the big E in the room, she can't see it. <laughs> so I just listen to the doctors because that's what we do, right? We listen to our doctors. Most doctors are wonderful, they're, they're helpful, and so I thought, well, maybe maybe this is just something that comes and goes and isn't a big issue. But after about a month of that, I, it still concerned me that she couldn't see, and so I took her to an ophthalmologist, and the ophthalmologist had shared that she didn't feel that Bridget was giving good effort in her ability to see, which I don't know how that is possible, but... This was Good her <laughs> it was her professional opinion. So um that didn't sit with me well either. I thought, how can a person try and see harder? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know, I know, as a should, mom. I you're that, but... Well, it's it's just one of those things like in the moment you're kind of in this daze of like, what's going on with my kid? But then you're taking all these professional opinions in and it can be intimidating because you're like, Well, what do I know? You know. But moms know a lot. You know, we may not know what the answer is, but we're going to get the answer. So after a while, Bridget started coming home from school. She was very, very tired and she would nap in the afternoon. A lot of this had to do with the fact that she was getting up in the middle of the night and using the restroom. And so she wasn't getting good sleep. And um, we come to find out that she'd been getting up like seven or eight times in the (laughs) night to go to the bathroom Poor thing. And so... I called her doctor and I said, she was very emotional. It was almost like having a teenager in a house, but she was only eight. So it was just this roller coaster of emotions. So finally, I'm like, I don't know what's going on with this girl. So I called her pediatrician. I said, would you please help me figure this out? And he said, of course, bring her in. He did a full evaluation, was with her for about an hour at the end of his day. And he said, you know what? I found some soft findings neurologically. Let's get an MRI. Let's rule stuff out. Let's um, go ahead and just maybe set an appointment with a neurologist. And I said, okay, great. Thinking nothing of it. We go to the MRI. We're driving home. I'm going to get a coffee. I'm in the drive-thru. And the doctor calls and he says, you know, I'm so sorry, but we found a tumor in Bridget's brain. And Children's Hospital of Los Angeles is going to be contacting you. Just be ready. Prepare a bag because you might be there a long time. It's going to be a long day of testing and doctor appointments. And just keep me posted. And I'm just going, okay, I was just listening to a worship song right now. And here I have this news. And I'm driving Bridget back to school because her MRI was in the morning. And I dropped her off at school. And then I drove straight over to my parents. Because they lived very close to me. And I just said, this is what just happened. And we just all cried. And I said, look, we're not going <laughs> to Google. We're not going to get on Google. We're going to wait for this appointment. We're going to talk to the people that God has gifted in treating tumors. And we're going to take it one step at a time. Because I knew, Cynthia, anything more than one step would have demolished me. And That's um, so wise. Yeah, I mean, we—I mean, Jesus said, "Don't worry about tomorrow. Today is enough trouble of its own. (laughs) Just take today." And of course, my husband—he wasn't with me in the car at that time—but extremely supportive in this together. And um, yeah, we really just let it sink in. And explaining that to an eight-year-old is interesting, you know. Well, we're just gonna figure out what's going on. But we got a lot of answers, which was good. How many people are just waiting for answers? about what's troubling them and their body. And we just feel very fortunate to have known that news and then take the next step.
0: So at first you got the information, it's a tumor, but you thought the tumor was benign, right? That was the initial information. Okay, so pick up the story there. So then what happens next? So she goes into surgery, is that what happens?
1: Correct. She goes okay. into surgery. The doctor comes out, says surgery went great. Unfortunately, we weren't able to remove the tumor because of the texture of the tumor. So the more kind of like a, like a meat texture it is, the harder it is. And because it's in the brain, it's hard when you have all the tendons and the, the um, vessels and everything around the brain. You don't want to mess around with that too much. So we said, so we biopsied it and, and we're going to treat it with medication. And we thought, great. And so he says, we're just going to wait the test results. And we're like, well, fantastic. Surgery was a success. We'll kill it with, you know, medication. She's recovering in the PICU. We're good. Well, two days later, they come in. and He has these beautiful doctors walk in with him. and He goes, hey, so good news. Bridget has germinoma. And we're like, great. What is that? Yeah, we, we didn't even ask that. He was so happy that that's what she had. Um, and he's like, you're going to be in excellent hands. Here's your oncologist. Here's, you know, they're you know nurse practitioner and they, they're wonderful people and everything's going to be great. And I'm like, great. And then Jeremy, my husband and I, we walk in to meet with these doctors in their office. And it turns out that, you know, as the doctor's talking, he's like, now this type of cancer. And we're like, whoa, what? <laughs> <laughs> Hold up. Bridget has cancer. Like, I think he went to the bathroom. It was like one of those total like TV show moments. You know, he leaves the room for a sec and we're like, Oh, Bridget has cancer. Oh my gosh! Why didn't anyone tell us? You know, they did. It was just in doctor terms. And, um, he walked us through what, what her next treatments would look like and what she would encounter over the next several months. And so that included, um, Uh, chemotherapy, and um, radiation. Okay, so now you've got this cancer
0: diagnosis. Mandy, how are you feeling at this point?
1: Well, like any mom, a little nervous, a little scared, trying to be brave for their child, trying to wrap their brains around the fact that they're one of those parents walking through sickness with a child. That, That was really strange. But I think... The question you asked me at the very beginning about walking through a trial, you know, Mandy's big trial, number one, I think I knew within my heart if I don't walk this out with Jesus, then everything I've ever believed about him and um, held on to is a lie. And I just knew that I did not want to be somebody that did not trust Jesus. It's not that I wouldn't have hard days. And we even told Bridget, Bridget, you're going to have hard days. You're going to have moments where you are just in pain and you don't feel good and that's okay like you don't have to just track on brave through this and just not acknowledge those things but we are not going to walk this without jesus and my husband and i we just looked at each other and we're like we're not doing it without him he's our everything and we're going to make sure not only that we ourselves are assured of that but that everybody we know knows that as well
0: that's awesome um You also told me that you did have some anger at this ophthalmologist. Can you share a little bit about that?
1: Yes. Well, when we went and had a visit with the Children's Hospital ophthalmologist, who's a specialist, obviously, in children's ophthalmology, he shared that Bridget's eyesight would not return. And so when I heard that, I was very upset because what's going through my mind is wait a second. I did the right thing. I took her to the optometrist. I even took her for a second opinion. And I, and we did everything possible. And they, and they told us that nothing was wrong. And now my daughter's vision is affected for the rest of her life because of their incompetence. And I was angry. I had to act actually excuse myself from the room. Um, and i just cried i sobbed in the bathroom but it was like an angry because they
0: told you if it had been found earlier that her vision may not have been impaired the rest of her life and you're like i tried to find it earlier
1: yes and so i felt like a failure that i i did my daughter a disservice i also was upset at these doctors and what ended up happening was um There's a prayer warrior friend of mine named Jane and she actually um, had become such a, uh, just a, a resource for me spiritually in this time. And I reached out to her telling her about my anger and she said, Mandy, you must forgive right now. You can address this later with this person, but you must forgive her now because Bridget needs a mama that is healthy, spiritually, mind, soul, strength, body, everything is good to go. And you need to be at your best. And you can't do that if you don't settle this within yourself right now. And I said, okay, I'm going to do it as hard as it is. And I did. I said, Lord, I forgive this woman. And it was an instant, Cynthia, but it was over time I felt total peace about it. And then I'm happy to say Bridget just had an ophthalmology appointment last week in which the doctor said that her vision has improved. And right after, yeah, and then after her surgery, after her radiation, he said, wow, this is quite spectacular and unexpected and marvelous, but um, Bridget, you've received some of your sight back, and he wasn't even expecting that himself, and so I, I knew, we all knew it was the hand of the Lord, and of course, wonderful treatment, but um, we know it is the Lord that gives those to think of those treatments,
0: You also told me that you bravely went back and met with that initial doctor a year later. Can you tell us about
1: that? Yes. Every mother's like, yeah, you know. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I did. And um, I actually brought my mom with me. Um, not to be intimidating or anything, but to be a support to me. And actually, my mom said she probably would have been a million times more vocal <laughs> about it. <laughs> so she's like, "It was hard to just sit there and not say anything." Uh, but I just shared with her. I said, "You know, I don't know if you remember our our appointment from a year ago, and just kind of refreshed your memory." And I said, "This is what like, you wrote in your chart about her. Do you see that that you wrote in the chart that?" that basically she was being untruthful about her vision. She goes, yes, I see that. And I said, yes, well, I just want to make you aware that Bridget actually had a brain tumor. And um, I did take her back to her pediatrician because I just it wasn't in her character, to be dishonest. So I i continued. And at first, the optometrist, and I understand, she was very defensive. But my, my reason for coming to her was not to condemn her, was not to shame her but was actually to help bring to light, like there might be other children. I'm only here to tell you that there might be other children that have this issue. And I just, I'm just asking you to just remember Bridget. Just remember that one case where, oh my goodness. Okay. I'm not seeing anything, but I'm going to refer them back to their pediatrician because there could be something I cannot see. When I talked to the ophthalmologist at children's, I asked him why couldn't they see what he saw? And he said simply, it's just because they're not trained to see what we see. So I don't blame them. And I, I actually showed her pictures of Bridget. I said, I just want you to see how well she's doing. Because I didn't want this doctor to carry around, well, any kind of guilt or anything like that. I wanted her to know what God had done. And that I didn't hold any bitterness against her. And I think that's really important, especially as women of God, we have to do a better job of communicating clearly what we feel, what's right, but then offer. Again, it's that word reconciliation, right? And uh, and actually, I could just see this woman's demeanor softening. And she's like, oh, wow, when she saw the picture of her. And am like, she's doing great. She's doing great. And she was like, I'm so happy to hear that. I said, well, thank you for your time. And I just hope that um, this will just be something that you can use in your career. And she was grateful for the time. So I think sometimes we think it's going to be this big old blowout. But sometimes I think God just wants to show himself to somebody in that moment. But we have to be ready as believers. We can't be the ready to pounce on somebody. We, we have to have that wisdom. And I'm not saying I was perfect at it. But that wisdom to say, all right, this is how I'm going to handle the situation. Because I am a representative of Christ
0: first. Totally. That was a beautiful grace you've extended. Something I will actually tell um, my kids sometimes. Um, my son sometimes has a really hard time forgiving his sister, and which I get it. Like it, it's hard. Forgiveness is really hard. But the one thing I've told him is, buddy, if you had never, ever, ever hurt her in your entire life, maybe you would have something to stand on. But you have hurt her, and she has forgiven you. And so when you need, when she hurts you, our calling is to also then forgive her. And it's because we all need so much grace in our lives that I think we can extend that grace out towards others. Because I know I'm not perfect and I mess up and I probably cut someone off in traffic, you know, and, you know, Without intending, to, And so I feel like we just need to live in this state of extending grace. And you just modeled that so
1: beautifully, Mandy. Well, Cynthia, I wish I could say that I do that all the time. Um, especially at, like, kids drop off at my school. And I, this is my... You want, you want to know my go-to saying is, like, people are just not their best selves right now. They're just not their best that. selves. Oh, my gosh. I was just... <laughs>
0: I'm cleaning out right now. I'm I totally a sidetrack, but I'm like major cleaning out right now. And I was going through um, like precious things of my children that I have kept from the years. And there's this thing like a sheet, my son had filled out in kindergarten right before mother's day, all about my mom. And it was like, you know, my mom's age is this, my mom likes this. And then I, the question was my mom, what is my mom like? And the response was, very serious as we drive to school. <laughs> I was dying. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because your mom is like almost always late, so we're always let's go out the door. We're very serious. I was, I was I dying. That, that was what I was. I was. Very serious on the way to school. I, which I have worked uh, on a lot, and we are now much more early, on time people with grace and not yelling, getting us out the door.
1: Well. <laughs> Well done, Cynthia. Well done. We all applaud that. Oh, yeah.
0: Okay. Back (laughs) to our story. So, um, okay. So jumping back in, you've got Bridget's diagnosis. So what was the medical approach? Like what was the process you went through to fight the cancer?
1: Well, it was that first initial brain surgery to try and remove it. And then the next step was uh, her port. They put her port in. So it would be easy for her to receive her chemo treatments. And so she did rounds of chemo, and then she did about 30 days of radiation following that. And then she, you know, I mean, things happen. Kids get fever. People get with cancer get fevers. You know, their immune systems are down. Um, so she ended up um, in the hospital a couple of times to treat that, but they could never figure out what it was. Like, usually it's like, oh, you caught a bug, or it's a flu, or it's a virus. And they were like, Bridget, we have no idea why you're here. And so we kind of turned it into like a little game like, oh, I know why you're here. Bridget. She goes, why? I don't like being here, mommy. I said, because we're on assignment. Bridget, we're on assignment. She's like, what does that mean? I'm like, oh, no, look for somebody. God wants us to meet somebody. I don't know who they are. It could be the next person that walks in the room. And she's like, oh, you know, thinking, oh, my goodness, like, who does God want us to meet? And we would meet the most amazing people. And God would use those moments. So she, she's a trooper though, man, what a beast. That's such a
0: beautiful perspective you gave her that we are on assignment. Um, now you had to fight this medically, but you also had to fight this spiritually as well. And you said and earlier, which was such a poignant statement, you said that you and your husband had to decide, are we going to believe everything that we have believed about God our whole lives? Say, And then you also had told me that um, you had some godly women who came in and really encouraged you. So talk about that for just a minute.
1: Yes, I had, well, prior to this, Cynthia, um, a couple weeks prior, we had had our church revival. And it's just this awesome thing we have every two years where, I mean, you go every night and you're pumped up and you're full of the Lord. And I had this very sweet time, in the Bible, in my journaling, devotional time with God for like six months prior. It was probably one of the sweetest times with Him. And so I felt like, I mean I don't want to like make anyone nervous like if they're having this real sweet time with God that watch out, something could be around the corner. But I, my heart was ready for it. Um, and I know that if I didn't have scripture ready on my tongue, if I didn't have, you know that prayer life that I had developed earlier that I don't, I don't know if I could have you know, stood as strong, I guess, in those moments as I would have, it is is all him. It's, it's not me. The strength comes from him. He enables me to have the strength. And, and only, and with that, like too, on the back end of it, um, you know, my quiet time looked much different in the trial. And so i want to encourage everybody listening today that if they're thinking, Oh, you know, like I haven't spent any time with God, or it looks so different. I went from being a journaler to like pouring out and, you know, to, to a person that simply just let God's word wash over me and receive it in a way that was like, I'm not writing anything down. I'm just taking it in God. And a pastor friend of mine was like, yep, that's what you do. And I'm like, is it okay if it looks different? Because of course it's okay. ebb and flow. And as far as like the women that, you know, women and men that came along, my husband, my family and I, um, I had prayer partners. I had people that would fast and pray with me, um, at a moment's notice. So it was like, Hey, this is happening. Bridget's going in. They're like, done. Like, what do you need? Or if there was meals or um, what can we do for Bridget? You know, can we get her a present? And not only that, we have a younger, I have have a younger daughter as well. And she was quite young at the time, about three and a half, four, but people were spoiling her left and right so that she didn't feel left out because we were at the hospital a lot. This is, you know, pre COVID. So parents could both be at the hospital and, so it was it was a time of community, too. I mean, people were the hands and feet of Jesus to my family, and it's something that we will always be grateful for and And my husband and I we go, "How do people do this without Jesus? We don't know we really don't know like must be i I don't know where you're drawing your strength from, but I had nothing there, so it had to all be him.
0: That was awesome you've told me also that you felt like your like tagline is that you would just say, we're going to see a faithful God here and that you would say it and you believed it, And I love that. You also told me that, um, as Bridget faced chemo, that one day she asked you, am I going to die? And what a poignant question to get from your eight year old daughter. Share with us, uh, What you told her,
1: (laughs) yes, what a hard question for any parent to answer at any time, right? But especially when your child is facing, you know, a disease. And so, I, I at that moment, you know, those moments where somebody says something, you and you're just like, Jesus, 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 like, (laughs) give me something to say. Like, I'm like, Holy Spirit, come right now because I have no words. And um, (laughs) the thing that came out, praise yourself, was, honey, we're all going to die. (laughs) And I said, but you know what? No one knows. No one knows their day, the hour that the Lord is going to call them home. And so, sure, could something happen? Something could happen to me walking out of this hospital. I said, nobody knows. But the best thing, honey, is that the Lord knows. And if the Lord knows, that's okay with me. And she was like, okay, mommy. <laughs> so, by his grace. It's like, thank you, God." Escaped that one. That's so
0: awesome. You've told me too, that you kind of got uh, just a really strong word from the Lord at that time about being her shield. Talk about that.
1: Yes. Um, when Richard was diagnosed, I there was a time I went into her bedroom and I would you know, pray over our whole body because she slept and I would just stay there and lay hands on her and just be in her room and um, and within my spirit not an audible voice it's, the Lord doesn't speak to me that way he, he speaks to me within my spirit and he says I will heal her and I will be her shield and she will glorify me all the days of her life and I said is this from you like you know those moments you're like is this just wishful for just you know trying to be positive. And I was like, no, because when the Lord speaks to me, it's not it's not long-winded. It's very like da 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 ba, ba da ba. <laughs>
0: That's-, That's how he speaks to me too. And the same, like in my spirit and the kids have asked me that. And I like, how do I hear the Lord's voice? And this is hard, I mean, it's not an easy answer, but it's just you know when you know, you know, when you are in tune and you just know there are these moments where you get this word in your spirit and you're like, that was just different. And and you know, it's just that impression of the Lord upon you at that moment. So um, I love that. And yes. you also told me that you saw some major miracles during the treatment period and had some huge blessings too. Can you share a little bit about the miracles and blessings?
1: That's my favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> The, the miracle, the miracle in it itself is that Bridget is three and a half years cancer-free. Praise oh. the Lord. Glory to God. Yes. And we are so grateful. Um, but along the way, there were a couple of different things that happened. So when Bridget started her first chemo treatment, um, we had a wonderful nurse with us, very experienced, had been around in nursing for many, many years. She says, Hey, I'm just letting you know, I'm going to stand right here because she's going to have an allergic reaction. And Bridget's like, her eyes are like, you know, saucers looking at me like, What? And I was like, So, what kind of things can we expect from this allergic reaction? She's like, Well, she may not be able to breathe. Um, She might break out in hives. I'm like, Okay, pleasant. And so I'm sitting there and looking at Bridget like, Help me, you know. And so as I'm sitting here, the Lord says, My spirit again, She will not react. And I'm all, how do I communicate this to Bridget when I don't even know if that's just my own thinking and wanting or if that's the Lord. And so I went up to Bridget and I grabbed her hand. I said, honey, let's pray. You don't react. And she goes, okay, mommy. And this nurse probably thought, okay, lady, we'll see what happens. And so we prayed and, um, 10 minutes go by 15 minutes, 20 half hour. The nurse is there. She's like, Uh, I don't believe it. She was, never in my life, in all my nursing career, have I ever seen a child not react to this chemo. She was was, but don't don't think it's not going to happen again. Don't think that, you know, this is going to be every round, because it's not. But Cynthia, it was every round. And that was the evidence of the Lord being her shield. She also did not, another miracle is that she did not get ill. So, uh... I know I mentioned earlier she went to the hospital but that's because she spiked a fever but she never um you know it's very unfortunate especially with chemo that children or anybody with cancer lose their appetite they get very ill stomach wise she she didn't have any of that in fact she would go in and they would tell her Bridget your 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 blood cell count it's it's low honey you need to get some uh, it's almost time for a blood transfusion or platelets and She's like, Oh, okay. And i like, But I'm looking at you. And it's like every other child that we work with is like asleep on this bed before we even examine them. They're lethargic. And you look like you're ready to go out and play ball or something. And she's like, Oh, I feel great. You know, and they're like, Well, we need to watch it though. Because, and then there were many different times, you know, they were like, Bridget, the numbers are just too low. We know you look great, feel great, but we have to give you these platelets. And she's like, Okay. And so those were other little things. She did lose her hair, but she she man she wore those. She, we asked her, "Do you want us to kind of cut those little like stragglers?" She's like, "Oh no, I love it." So we're like, "Okay, girl, you rock it. You rock your hairdo," and um, and now her hair is like totally beautifully grown back. But she was a trooper, and even my youngest daughter. She's kind of a hoot, you know. She's you never know what she's gonna say about stuff. And when Bridget's hair came out, it came out in, like, clumps, you know. And so she showed her sister, she goes, Brielle, look. And she pulls out the clumps of her hair, and Brielle goes, oh, that is awesome. <laughs> and I <I'm laughs> and I thought, oh, my gosh, what a perfect thing to say. Instead of being scared, instead of being, oh, my gosh, what's happening? She was like, how do I do that? You know, <laughs> that that's amazing. And they both laughed. So... You know, that in itself is a miracle. And then of course, earlier we talked about the eye doctor appointment where her doctor said, um, this is remarkable, I've never seen this before where they have some of their sight restored.
0: That's amazing. Now does she continue to need medication?
1: Yes, because the brain tumor was on her pituitary gland, it has affected her thyroid and her stress levels and her growth hormone. So right now we're working on, um, She is taking the growth
0: hormone and some medication to help with some of those other things. That's awesome. Um, you told me that you saw people attempt to fight their child's cancer without Jesus, uh, but that doing it with Jesus changed everything for you guys. Um, would you say more about that? And then also mention the, the cancer camp you all went to.
1: Oh, yes brain tumor camp who knew it was a thing you know um yes we went to um a brain tumor camp um following Bridget's treatment we met a lot of wonderful people we met a lot of people who were hurting and like you had mentioned it's and I I am certainly not judging any parent out there everyone's just trying to do the best job that they can and um it's really difficult when you don't when you're not in control and you can't take your child's pain away, you can't. You have to just walk beside them. And um, there was a particular instance where we had like a therapist meeting with all of us parents. The kids were out playing, and and um, these parents, like our, my husband's, my our hearts were so heavy for them because it's it's not that we're saying that they didn't have faith. It's not that we're saying that they didn't believe in Jesus, but they were maybe not remembering, if they did believe in him, the power that is available to them um, from him. And there was this one mom, and she was like literally sobbing and shaking, just sitting in her seat. And I heard the spirit say, get up. <laughs> I caught up and I went over to this woman and I just, I could not handle it anymore. She was just, you know, when someone's crying and you just want to naturally go over to them, just touch them and be like, I'm here, I'm here. And I just put my arms on her and, and she, just her whole body just calmed down. And I'm like, we're here, with you. he is with you. And she just calmed down. And I thought, this is all what we need. But to hear parents even talk about like, hey, even considering taking their lives, their own lives because they were such in despair over what their children were going through. And you know, we're talking about tumors that sometimes the tumors grow back. Sometimes the tumors um, just keep growing. There's nothing they can do for them. Um, so you have a wide spectrum of people that are at this camp. So, you know, we saw people that we knew for sure did not believe in Jesus, and our goal that entire camp was to just show them Jesus because we were we. They can't say, "Well, you don't know what we're going through," right? And we do know what they're going through. But at the same time, it's like, don't do this alone. We even had therapists, I don't know if I shared this with you, Cynthia, but we had some therapists come up to us and be like, would you mind talking to, like, I'm not a praying woman or I don't really believe in God, but um, there were some really interesting things that you said that I think one of my clients might need to hear. Or, And we're like, absolutely, we're available. And so, but we left that mountain feeling like these people are in despair. And hope is right there. It's right there. It's a gift. Um, but we do understand so much, and I think I shared with you too that, like you know, Bridget's story, Bridget's outcome isn't the outcome of every child out there with cancer, and that's a very difficult thing. I try to be sensitive to, because I speak to moms and different people that have different stories and different outcomes. And here is like, well, sure, your child was healed, right? And um, that is a hard thing to carry. It's not like survivor's guilt. It's it's not bad. It's just a Lord, I don't know why you chose to heal my child, but not this child. But you're sovereign. And, and you know, every time Bridget goes in for MRIs, um, for her just her checkups, before she goes in, we say the same thing. Bridget, I believe you are healed. I do. However, if something shows up on this scan, God already knows, and that's enough for me. It doesn't matter if it takes a couple of days to hear back for results. It doesn't matter because he knows and he's sovereign. And we'll just do exactly what we did before. And Bridget just nods. I'm not a robot. This girl knows her God.
0: What perspective would you give someone who maybe who might be listening who had a different outcome with their child?
1: Well, first of all my heart is with you and my heart is heavy for you and I'm so terribly sorry that you've experienced that pain and my prayers are with you because I have a friend right now that is her daughter is not with us anymore she's with Jesus and she was a beautiful wife for Christ And just that child was such a gift to this world and had such purpose. And the Lord is still going to use that child to bless people in this world. And my prayer is that God will comfort you and be near you in those broken, lonely, dark places. And that if you need to reach out, um, You can call me, email me anytime, and we'll cry together. We'll be there for each other because we do need each other. The Lord created us to be there for one another and bear each other's burdens.
0: Hmm, Thank you. At this point, how is Bridget?
1: She's doing great. She is in seventh grade, enjoying all the fun of junior high and it's, it's quite the adventure, but she just had all of her appointments within the last couple of weeks, and the doctor said her scans look so beautiful that she now can move on to a once-a-year review, which is wow. way, way ahead of schedule. That's so, amazing.
0: Yes. I just want to go back to the one thing you just said that I love how you said that um, you've told her the Lord already knows the outcome. And that if it would come back, you would act just the same. And say just a minute more about that.
1: Well, it would mean that we take one step at a time. That we don't Google. That we listen to the wisdom that God has given our doctors. That we walk through it together as a family. That we embrace the love from our church family and extended family, and that we continue to be a family that honors Christ in the midst of trial, and that I love the verse that said, "You know, He He will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast on Him." And I think as we continually seek Him, and we would seek Him in the time, we would also remember what we just walked through. The peace would come from right. Trial number two, got it. <laughs> okay, trial number three, and then you know, I mean, the Bible talks a lot about suffering. It's not <laughs> a delightful topic, but um, suffering allows him to see. Suffering allows us to see God in a way that we would never see Him otherwise. And I, this is not to say that someone who doesn't walk through difficult, like really difficult times, does not see God. Of course, they do. They experience him uniquely, of course. But when you walk through suffering, you see the Lord in a different way that uh, you probably would never ask for him to reverse. And so we would just continue relying on the faithfulness of our God that we've seen. And I think I mentioned a song, Cynthia, um, as a worship leader, I mean, music is just, you know, it's my heart and soul. But there's a song called I Will Look Back And um, sorry I will look up and one of the lines is I will look back and see that you are faithful I'll look ahead believing you are able and so we would just cling to everything we've learned about God in the past but also believe we would believe for it we would believe that he would make ways where there are no ways and that he would be able to do impossible things just like he did before again another song do it again he would do it again I love that song I do too and so that that is that is what we would do and it's you know I, a lot of parents can I just speak to parents walking through this is that you know they get this thing called scan anxiety which is anxiety about scans every three months six months I totally understand this is a real thing' you're, It's almost like you're faced with the possibility every three months of seeing something on those scans. I'm telling you it is just it's not worth the time and the energy to be worried about those things because at the end of the day god already knows and so it's it's just if you can take that moment take it captive make it obedient to christ lock it up lock up the fear and just take the next step okay we're gonna get the scan <laughs> let's just start there and then move forward
0: I love how you guys are really able to be witnesses in the midst of all of this, how you are able, that nurses were able to see that you prayed and that she didn't get sick and that you were able to walk alongside people who are desperate with fear, you know, and to pray with them. Like, it is amazing. You're, I love your perspective about how you are on assignment, that your family was on assignment during this and i think that's such a great perspective to realize like you're walking in walking through this you have the ability to witness to people you never would have had the ability to witness to to pray for to be taken seriously by people in the midst of pain because if we don't walk through pain people are like what do you know about pain but once we walk through pain gosh it makes us more real and accessible to other people walking through pain because most of us do walk through pain at different times in our lives. I've walked through my share already. So to walk through it makes us able to to relate to those who are also walking through it. So it is really beautiful how God put you on assignment in this situation. And I'm sure, I mean, I obviously it changed your faith, but my guess is it probably changed Bridget's faith too
1: yes yes I mean we talk about this all the time and you know I think more than ever our world needs Jesus <laughs> more than ever and especially younger kids and um, junior hires especially her age and we talk about defending our faith um, and you know as she gets persecuted and attacked and judged for being a believer. I say, count it all joy. You know, I'm like, hey, Jesus said it's going to happen. So you're good. He already knew. So, and she just kind of laughs it off because she knows like, oh, okay, this isn't foreign to God. He knew that we would be rejected. And so I think for her, she would say that no one can tell her that there isn't a God. Amen. No one could ever say to her, like, that he doesn't exist. He's not real. It's a fairy tale she knows because she said, I could tell when he was in that room with me, he never left me alone. And I think when you're that young and you have those things happening to you, there's no, nobody could convince you differently. You're totally. so, you're so convinced, convinced. And, um,
0: yeah. I had a mentor in college, actually, who would say, you know, people can argue theology with you to your blue in the face, but no one can ever discount your experience. No one can ever say, no, that didn't happen to you. And so, I mean, I love theology and the Bible, and I think you got to study it and know it. But the heart is that we have experienced Jesus. Like the disciples who, they recognize that they had, that how are these, People from this backwoods part of Judah able to stand up to the religious leaders of their day. And it says they recognized they had been with Jesus and that had changed them. My, uh, I've told this story probably early on in this podcast, but my sweet son, who's now 11 and started sixth grade middle school yesterday. Ah! But when he was in kindergarten, um, he had this experience where he was playing at a friend's house. And um, they had gone swimming in this friend's pool and had both jumped in the friend's shower in their swim trunks to rinse off. And my five-year-old son just like closed this glass shower door super hard, just like banged it shut. And the whole thing was a brand new shower. They just built this house. The whole thing shattered over him, just shattered. And um, what was interesting about it was that he did not get any... Cuts at all after it shattered. He ended up getting scared, kind of freaking out, jumping out of the shower, slipping, and cutting his knee and his toes in that time. And unfortunately, did have to go get stitches. The sort of hilarious part about the story is it was my birthday weekend, so I was getting a massage when this happened. (laughs) Of course, of course I was. I get this text when I'm out of my massage from my husband saying, um. So don't go home, but come straight to urgent care. And I'm like, what? You know, there goes all the effects of the massage. But (laughs) the next day I was lying in, he's, you know, he got stitches. It was hard, but it was painful, but he's okay. So the next day I'm lying in bed with him at night and we're kind of like chatting about it. And he goes, mom, he goes, I didn't get hurt when the glass broke yesterday. And I was like, I hadn't really sort of thought about it. I was like, you're right. You didn't get hurt when it broke over you. And he said, mom, it felt like there was an iron umbrella over my head. He said, it was God. And so my five-year-old had this experience of literally feeling like this metal umbrella was over him wow. and protecting him during that whole thing and so I've told him that exact same thing Axel no one can ever take away that experience from you you as a five-year-old boy experienced the Lord's protection in your life and you know that it was real and that no one else can have any like way to explain why the shower door that's literally shattered over you didn't touch you not until he freaked out but <laughs> uh, <so. laughs> That was same kind of thing. I think those experiences of God are so powerful for us and so powerful for our children. And oftentimes it seems that they happen through some adversity. And so being thankful for those moments that we do really experience Christ in the midst of adversity is a really powerful thing.
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad your son was protected. I'm glad that he experienced yes. God in that way. Yeah. Um, because, you know, some people look for those moments their whole lives, not not to I mean, you know have something bad happen to them, but to have witnesses and um, evidence of God's protection in their life. And I totally agree. And and it just shows me that God is alive and well and working in our lives. We have to be able to want to see it. Um, you know, like, I, I think, like, if, if we're not looking for it, if we're not looking for him and seeking him with all of our heart, we're gonna miss out. Um, but when but when we're open to it, we're like, God, show me yourself in this moment. He will every time.
0: Amen. Well, thank you so much, Mandy. Thank you for taking this time to share your story to encourage us. Um, I'd love if it's okay to end by just praying for us, your sweet Bridget. Thank you. All right. Uh, Jesus, we thank you for the powerful work you have done in Bridget's life, and thank you that you have healed her, and we ask for continuous strength, life, and healing for this sweet Bridget, and we ask that your hand will continue to be on her in a powerful way, and in Mandy's, and that you'll continue to proclaim your word, and your faith, and your your truth, and your goodness through this family, and we pray that they will continue to grow closer to you through this process, and we pray that your hand of healing and covering will be on Bridget, that this cancer will not return to her, and that she will walk in perfect health um, all the days of her life. In your powerful name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, thanks, girl. Love ya. You too. I love Mandy's perspective that she and her family are called to be ambassadors for Christ in any and every situation. Thanks for listening, ladies. Join us every other Friday as we post new episodes of the Hashtag MomLife Podcast. Faithfully raising our kids to follow Christ is a huge challenge. Staying calm in the midst of the crazy is a huge challenge. My hope is that these conversations encourage you, ladies, as you seek to faithfully follow Jesus and as you seek to raise kids that do the same. If you find these podcast conversations encouraging and helpful, Please subscribe, share them with a friend, and give us a positive review on iTunes. You can find out more about today's episode, show notes from our discussion, and listen into past conversations at momlife.ljpress.org. Hashtag momlife is the ministry of La Jolla Presbyterian Church. Today's episode was produced by myself and Justin Kent, and I'm your host, Cynthia Blaze. I pray that each of you ladies experience Christ's deep love for you today, and that you can be his ambassador today loving, encouraging, or blessing someone along the way.